You are now listening to the Oliver Manley Show. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. You're listening to another episode of the Oliver Manley Show. This is where we get a chance to take an inside look at the breakdowns of influential people and find out the insights that allowed them to break through it. I have a very special guest, but before we get into it, I want to share with you a couple of quick announcements. The first one is Oliver's Picks, and that is a newsletter that I send every single week. And what it is, it's filled with my top recommendations for the week. That is the articles that I'm enjoying, books that I'm reading, quotes that I'm pondering, little tools and tidbits that I'm offering to my clients that I feel like you might get value from. Whatever it is, trust me when I say these are the things that I find empowering, educational, or simply entertaining for the week. So if you want a nice dose of goodness to start your weekend, you can sign up at olivermanalise.com slash picks. As well, if you don't already know, I am a breakthrough coach and I work with leaders towards aligned reinvention. And what that means is I support leaders in having their life, work, and relationships become more of a reflection of their truth and their essence. So if you're in a transition period in your life and you're looking towards getting to your breakthrough or looking to get to your growth edge, I would love to have a conversation with you just to explore what it is you are trying to accomplish and see if we're a match. So regardless, I believe that you'll walk away with tools and insights that will support you along your journey. If you're interested in deepening the conversation, feel free to email me at podcast at olivermanalise.com and we could set something up. Today, my guest is Rachel Lowe. And Rachel is somebody who I met just recently at a TEDx event where a mutual friend of ours was actually speaking. She is somebody who I believe to be inspirational and influential and someone who is just living their truth, living and stepping into their gift. She has such a presence about her. She's honest, she's open, she's vulnerable, and she is sharing so much of herself more and more every single day. And we were having coffee, actually, the first time that I felt like we were getting to know each other. And she was going into her story, and she was getting so deep and so raw and so intense. I was like, okay, let's stop, because I feel like it would be great if we can record this. I think so many people can get value from her story, from her experiences. And she agreed. Without hesitation, she said yes, and we set it up. And this is the conversation we have for you today. Rachel, if you don't know her, she has an incredible mission to support men and women who want more out of life to create play and creativity in their lives. People who gave up on the things that they loved as children and create the time and space to do so again. She is a community manager for life coaches, so she supports their audiences and the members of their communities to feel supported, feel loved, and feel cared for. She is also the director of Possibility Camp, a camp for girls who are 8 to 13 years old and based in Toronto. They are future female leaders and she supports them in creating self-confidence, self-love, the skills to get ahead. And you can find so many of her writings at livingambitiously.com and her process and journey with Possibility Camp at herpossibility.com. Now, in the conversation today that you're about to hear, we talk about so many things. We talk about loss. We talk about breakdowns. We talk about really traumatic, intense events that I, I, I'm going to save it for your for you to just listen to from the interview. We talk about her feeling not aligned with her heart and what that cost her. We talk about her feeling like she needed to grow up and become a mature adult way before it was time for her to do so and what that was like. All in all, this is a really raw and vulnerable and intense conversation. I feel like um, it's like opening the kimono. You get a really inside look. It's almost like you're getting a, a look into her personal diary. It's so 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 real. I feel like you get you'll get a lot of value from it, especially as you get to get an inside look at her breakdown and the journey that she went through to actually discover who she is, to have that awakening, so that she can be living more of a life that's aligned with her heart where she's actually going ahead and expressing her truth wherever she goes and who she's with. 
So let me just stop talking and give a warm welcome to Rachel Lowe. I'm here with Rachel Lowe. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hi. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> so we, we had a conversation over coffee and you were sharing your story and I just found it so interesting and inspiring and also it, it felt so vulnerable that it made me inspired to want to have you come on the show and share share about it if you know if you were willing to and you're like yeah absolutely I was like okay this is gonna be interesting because <laughs> it's super raw yeah but, um can we just get a little snapshot of like where are you in your life in your career like what's life like right uh, right now for you so that we get a little bit of an idea of what's what's today like and then we're gonna go jump backwards in time yeah absolutely that's and that's such a good reflection for me to just see like all the growth that's happened too um but yeah, i just want to acknowledge thank you for it, inviting me because during that conversation this is the story that i've never actually told publicly outside of you know my best friends my mom you know a couple people um so it's really exciting for me and so that alone kind of tells me what the space that i'm in now <laughs> and kind of what life looks like now just being open to doing that so yeah um Right now, uh, like, basically, I'm an explorer of growth. Um, and what that means and looks like for me is really paying attention to triggers, like all the ways in my life that other people reflect back to me um, who I am and how I'm showing up and how I can use that to to evolve and become a, a better person in my description of a better person. So in the day to day, what I do for work is that I actually have my own business now. Um, it's been, I'm in the second, almost the third year of business and I essentially support and work with, you know, coaches. So people, um, like yourself, people who have online programs, people who run retreats and events as their community manager. Um, so I go in and check in to all their stuff, all their clients, all their people every day, make sure they're engaged, make sure they feel supported, taken care of. Um, mm. And it's essentially people that, you know, were and are just like me and just like you. And so we're all experiencing things, going through things, and some helping support them in that process. So not only am I supporting the coach, but I'm supporting all the people they're impacting. Um, and so that's like really awesome. And I mean, you know, just on a personal level, I just kind of, I just moved to Toronto and six months ago. <laughs> um, and even in that time, you know, I've created amazing friendships, amazing partnerships. I'm about to launch in the spring. Um, I'm actually teamed up to run a, a girls camp. So it's a camp cool. for girls. Yeah. Girls, uh, eight to 13 called possibility camp. So we're really just helping support them. It's amazing, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's like supporting them in, you know, confidence and, and social skills, but also expanding their, their knowledge and view of like, you know, coding, development, science, you know, writing, whatever they want to do. It's like, whatever you want to do is possible. And so, yeah. yeah, I'm working on that, creating that, working on my own writing and getting my own writing out there and the way I support other coaches doing it for them. So, yeah. So you have like a ton of free time, it sounds like. You're oh, just yeah. clear <laughs> schedule. There's nothing going on. Every day is open. But it's my own schedule. So I think yeah. that's where where the celebration in that is. Like I know we've talked about personally, like yeah, I want to create more space personally for myself. But yeah, it's my own schedule right now. And it's like exciting I, stuff. I, exactly. And, and nothing is – I'm kind of in a space where I haven't taken on anything that makes me like, fuck, I have to get up and do this today. You know? And so mm. that is really exciting. <laughs> So you're very much an uplifter. You work in the business with coaches who are uplifting people. What what inspired you to go in that direction? Because I mean, it sounds like the job that you have is like a it's like a made up job. It's not you don't really <laughs> totally. see a, you don't see a job posting. Hey, um, we need someone to support our our coaches, our team, our clients, yeah. uh, offer guidance, and like I don't even I can't even explain or describe what what that would yeah. be. Which is why it's so exciting 
not accept it's me being sarcastic when people ask me what I do like I think I just described it in a succinct the more succinct way than I ever have for some mm. reason but yeah it's not a thing that anybody really knows about unless you're in the world so what inspired me to be there I didn't know it existed either um and so it was kind of a matter of I'm just going to say honestly manifestation of I was in a space where I needed support and so I got a coach yeah. And that was my first introduction to that world, that space. And that coach actually ended up hiring me to work for them. And so <laughs> it essentially became me being inundated and learning. And she has been like a guardian mentor, you know, for me because I've learned the ins and outs of the whole business and also gotten more business out of that. So, yeah, my the reason I got into supporting other people was because I needed support. I mean, that's the that's the best way I can explain it yeah I, I think um, I could totally relate with that because I just from my experience of being coached it inspired me um, you know just being in the process of it and having mm -hmm. that support it was it was so huge for me that it kind of caused me to be in this path yeah as well so, that... yeah, I totally get what you're saying exactly and I think that helps I don't know if you'd agree but just like because you can relate like you're not a person you know, you know, we in coaching world, we all say you have them on a pedestal, like you're not like you've gone through it, like you've experienced it. And I think that's really valuable as a coach. So yeah, cool. And so um, do you have time? Do you have like a social life? I mean, you have a lot of projects going on. <laughs> do you get to have some time? Yes. to enjoy um, your new your new home, your new hometown? Yeah, yeah. And I think Yes, what I've learned in this transition of moving and everything is that social time is self-care for me. So yeah. because, you know, I work from home, I live alone. Uh, I don't live downtown Toronto. I live outside of the city. So uh, I go a little batshit if I don't have like... <laughs> Stir crazy. Yeah, like, like if if three if I hit like, the three to four day mark where I haven't physically gone outside like in the winter I could literally if I have enough food not leave for three days if I I've done that before in the past and so now like social life is self-care and so it's scheduled in and I, I move my schedule around at least once a week I am with people that feel really good to be around so I don't mean like yeah I go out sometimes I just go out and make more effort of conversation with like the cashier at the grocery store yeah. <laughs> but yeah social time for me is self-care because it's i choose to only be around people that feel good to be around so yeah i do have time you need I, the, the human interaction i like that that's your quote social life is self-care yeah oh i like it yeah, yeah. rachel low <laughs> i think it's um i think it's a reflection of your self-worth and your self-love and um, when you when you are willing to step outside of the, the the glorified overwork, burn yourself out, you know, let, let's let's have a trophy case for how many eighty hour weeks I had, you know, like in yeah. the culture of that, where you're saying I can carve out time for myself, I I am worth it to go and just experience joy in my life. I think that's a reflection of self worth. So, and yeah, obviously. And Sorry, go it's, ahead. To it's totally new for me. Like that's not, yeah. I, I'm a workaholic. I've worked, I've had a job since I was 15 and multiple jobs through college while I was full-time student. Yeah. Like, so I'm breaking the pattern. It's a conscious, it's a conscious mm -hmm. effort. Yeah, for so, sure. So that's a perfect dovetail. It is. This is new, having the self-worth, um, carving out time for yourself, doing things that you're excited about as, as a means for making money and making a life obviously it wasn't always like this and there's not at always all. A, yeah. a, a an incredible backstory and origin story to everybody's experiences but what i'm interested in is if you just look back now what is like what was a specific moment from your past that kind of i know we're, we're we have a ton of moments in our lives where Absolutely. we change directions, where we just receive or learn one insight or distinction, then all of a sudden our life path changes. But usually for people, at least for me and my experiences so far, there's maybe one to three major turning points. Mm -hmm. um, they could be a rock bottom. And to me, rock bottom is a metaphoric death. Like something yeah. about you 
needed to die so that an aspect of you can be reborn or rediscovered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people in 12-step programs call it your inner child, your true self. Um, yeah, just allow yourself to kind of go on a path of truth and, and alignment. Yeah. So what was it What was it for you as you look back now and where you are now, acknowledging yourself or where you're at? What's What stands out today? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be what we talked about, but... Like whatever, yeah. whatever is relevant today. And I think, yeah, what we talked about and over coffee, just so for people have reference, is I think part of the story. But they actually, it wasn't actually my rock bottom. So what, and I think you did had a great way of explaining that. We have, I think I've had multiple, you know, kind of rock bottoms. Um, but the main point for me was between freshman and sophomore year of college. So I had two things happen to me freshman year. Freshman year, uh, like first year? Yeah, sorry, I'm my American terms. <laughs> it's like, yeah, first year and second year, um, kind of in in that time period. So, and a lot of my learning and growth has happened through uh, dating relationship. So, um, the first thing that happened, your I growth, was, a, lot, a lot of your growth comes from your dating relationships. Yeah, like something that occurs. So I'll explain. Let me explain yeah, that. Yeah, so okay. the first. The first thing that happened, I was at first year of, of university, and um, the I was – how do I explain it? I guess I'll start with this. So when I was 15, that was when I had my first relationship. I first fell in love. Um, when I was then, I think, I guess I was 18 or first year of university, um, that person, we were no longer together, but he uh, was shot and killed – uh, through gang violence. Um, oh and so I, I still remember, you know, that point in time I was sitting in my dorm room, I was about to go to a party and my friend called me she's like, Hey, like I, she kind of just told me what happened. Brooklyn was killed this and that. Right. And I remember your first love. Yeah. My first love. I was 15. And you weren't together. T- we weren't together. So we split up <laughs> my part of my past story is that we got together and he was in a gang. I knew he was in a gang. Um, I loved him anyways. It was not a healthy at all by any means relationship, but at the time, you know, I fell for him. I was in it. Um, and so when, when we were together in that time, he actually went to prison and we broke up shortly after that. Um, not because I didn't love him, but because, he was just a mess um, and was never really around. And in my 15-year-old brain, I was like, he's not treating me well. But I didn't say he just went to jail. You know, maybe this is not a good idea. So he he was of that, in that kind of life style. And so um, the day that I found out he died, um, it was actually kind of ironic because I hadn't talked to him in maybe a year at that point. But the day before he died, he had he had called me Um, and he said, you know, it's like, hey, like, what are you doing? I miss you. I just got back from Disney World, which he just got out of prison. So he I found out later. He was (laughs) calling at Disney World. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I just got back from Disney World. Like this was his, his way. This was our relationship. He would lie about all kinds of like unnecessary things. Um but I, at that point, then found it funny because I was just like, this is just who he is, right? So it was a really weird timing because I was like, what the fuck? He just died, but I just talked to him yesterday. I hadn't talked to him in like a year. Like, that's not a coincidence, it's weird right? weird synchronicity. So, yeah. And so I experienced a lot of um, just unfinished kind of emotion, and that was a huge it was a huge loss for me. Um, and it was really interesting because, you know, that's just part of it. That wasn't my breakdown point. That was just kind of part of this experience. I was like, okay, where is my life? What is my life? Right? Like there, I have so many beliefs and thoughts around, you know, gangs and gang violence. And I, the reason I loved him was because I knew there was so much more to him than, and I knew why he felt like he had to be in these situations. Were you like, but, was it kind of dangerous being with him? You know, 
he was never I was I never went to his neighborhood. So uh, I lived in a North Buffalo in, in New York, upstate New York. This is where I'm from. And he lived on the east side. So it was a, if you familiar with anyone knows Buffalo, it's like a very direct split line of like white neighborhood, black neighborhood. Yeah. So he was black. <laughs> and so basically when he was not with me, I was never I never went to him. He always came to me. So he was always in my neighborhood nothing ever really happened that was dangerous or violent in front of me, with me, because of me, around me. I never experienced mm -hmm. that. I experienced him outside of that environment. And you said you saw something more in him? Yeah, I saw... So was saw... there a part of you that wanted to rescue him? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so my pattern was... <laughs> my pattern was uh, was that, was was savior. And it, it has been up until the last, like, three years. Wow. Because I because of this breakdown, um, so there's I noticed it, I recognized it, but and yeah, where do you think I that comes like, from the the desire yeah. to want to save or rescue another human being. It comes from growing up. Um, it comes from at a very young age becoming the adult of my family, um, mm. and and what does that mean? So, yeah, it's a good question. To be completely honest, watching my mom do the same thing with the, the people she was dating. So my parents are divorced. Oh, wow. um, and so my mom had boyfriends that were in similar – they weren't in gangs at, by any means, but they, you know, had dependencies. They were alcoholics, gamblers. You know, they had problems that affected our families, but they were good people. They were kind to me. They were – they never hurt us physically. Yeah. Know, they they were it was like oh they have potential like they have potential and and on an individual level I'm trying to fill a hole inside myself that they're filling quote unquote and so like let me just help them work on their potential so they never leave me that was the that was the experience that I was creating over and over again from that first relationship through you know sophomore year of college university second year whatever mm. <laughs> yeah and i know for some of the people that i've had the opportunity to speak with um and you tell me if it's if it's true for you that the rescue part is like this survival mechanism of control like it's, it's almost like kind of pretending that i can control a situation so i'm going to go mm -hmm. choose a person who i can rescue and save yeah and it's like this little pro this little pet pro project. It totally is. It's like let me devote all my love, attention, and energy into saving this other person when really I'm the one that needs to be saved, and I need to save yeah. myself. But I don't want to look at that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like take care of you, and that will fulfill me. And and that how did that work out? Didn't. <laughs> it totally didn't. And you're 15 doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did it from younger, I think, in, in the sense of taking care of my parents, um, taking yeah. care of my mom, who unfortunately, you know, was thrown into a bit of taking care of my grandparents, who were both sick. We moved in with them. She became their caretaker. I felt abandoned. So I started to take care of myself and her because she was going through all this emotional stuff with oh. losing her parents. So it just, yeah, it was a cycle of, Everywhere, all over, I was just taking care of everybody else and not taking care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so what happened after um, your, your boyfriend's yeah. passing so away? After that, um, that was kind of the, the, the starting point of me starting to think, okay, like, yes, we still weren't together, but interesting that I got myself into that situation interesting that like I'm kind of still repeating some of this stuff um, because the boyfriend I had at the time is the I was he was the second person I'd ever fallen in love with I had dated but the person I was with then in, in university was like my the big love like my big love right and yeah. and so he treated me the same way that I would venture to say my first boyfriend at 15 did you know not giving me the attention that I at the time thought I wanted and needed potentially cheating on me with other women that I stayed around because I gave even them another chance, even though I knew. Yeah. Um, not being invited around with to, they would, he would throw parties and wouldn't invite me, but I was his girlfriend. 
like just stuff that wow. I just let, I just let that be okay. Why um, did you put up with that? Why did you? Because we, yeah, at the time in my mind, I was like, we have a connection and chemistry that I've never felt before. And so that must mean something is here. Like I thought this is my, this is my one, this is my person. That's what I thought. Like looking back now, I know that I was again, looking for someone to tell me I was lovable, worthy. Okay. And he gave me just enough of that to keep me you know, repeating and returning. So you Mm -hmm. had a, you had a chemistry, you had a possibility of a future together. So Mm -hmm. there was like a little bit of a hanging on to that and, and letting things slide. Oh yeah. And he, he again was brilliant. Like to this day, like super smart, super, you know, entrepreneurial mindset. So we could talk about those things. We had that drive in us. Mm -hmm. Like we we bonded because we'd watch The Secret all the time together. Like, we could <laughs> talk about all these things. And, uh, and it, but it was the same thing. I was like, this man has so much potential, right? And so if we can take over the world together, that was our conversations we would have. Like, that would be so incredible. That would be so awesome. So I just need to stick it out and help him figure out all the things that he's doing wrong so we can have that. I heard, you know, so it was the same thing. What you're saying, it, it's, I think it's very, very um normal and what it makes me think of is this is this is something that i that i heard and i've asked a lot of women and men how they how they feel about this and they seem to they seem to think that this is pretty accurate so this is mm-hmm. this is how it works yeah let me hear women have resources okay and when i say resources it's their ability to have a child they're youthful mm. And, and, and like this is from like an ev- evolutionary kind of standpoint. And then, so if, if you're attracted to a woman, it's like there's aspects of them that are like, oh, yeah, they're, they're perfect childbearing age and they're physically ready. Yeah. And then the, the, the challenge is, so you know what you're, you know you're kind of going to get when it comes to an evolutionary procrea- procreation standpoint. And then right. for men, most men reach their peak in resources after they're 40 and 50. Mm. So when women choose their men, it's a bet. It's like, does he have the potential yeah. 20 years from now, 30 years from now to support me and two other human beings, three other human beings, five other human beings, or whatever it is, or or just support us in the direction of our relationship, of our life together. Because yeah. where a man is right now, it's like, like you said, it's a lot of potential, but nothing is for sure. Like it's, so you're kind of, be- you're kind of betting on, can this person provide and create and guide me and, and my emotional and financial well-being yeah. 20, 30 years down the road? And yeah. um, so w- what do you think of that? At first, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I can pop out a baby. I was, like, really resistant to that. (laughs) I I was like, okay, stay open and listen because I totally – I agree with that Um, in the sense of also, I mean, from my story, we were so young. Like, I thought I was – I thought I was so mature. I think maybe we all do that. But I was, like, 18, 19. You know, I wasn't. Um, But – that was also the story that I saw play out in my family. It's like both of my grandfathers and my dad, you know, you know, they had their own stories of screwing up when they were younger, but then they became responsible and became the family man and After. they became the really good man. Yeah. Kind of like everybody will tell you, people will tell have, and have told me, you know, you need to date someone that's at least past 30 because anyone, you know, that's, you know, younger 20s. than that is a, as a man is just not, evolved already yet they're man boys yeah (laughs) so i was like oh okay like these this guy like i'm i'm mentally you know at 17 i feel like i was mentally at the maturity level of like a mid 20 year old because of all the responsibility i had to take on and so i was like okay yeah like if we do this together like it'll all work out because i did we wanted the babies we wanted the business we talked about all of that and so i totally agree with that yeah, yeah. I, I, I think because just what you're saying with the whole potential thing, I think a, like a lot of people, and it's not just women, men included, we look at what's the potential of our, our relationship together in the future. And sometimes it's like we're, we're willing to accept certain things mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to let go of that possibility. 
that this is not the one for me. Like we are not going to create this possibility together. It is. It is. And knowing now, I mean, from the, the standpoint of we essentially just recreate our patterns until we break them. Like now I have that awareness that that's mm-hmm. what I was doing also. Um, but yeah, I think, I think so just to get back to kind of the breakdown point, um, this was like the university. Yeah. And university with that relationship with this, this person that I was holding out for his potential on the entrepreneurial uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually I hit a point where I remember he threw a party and he didn't invite me. And I was like, fuck this. This is like the, la- why am I dealing with this? This is the last time. And I called him right before the party. Like Did there they were both people do there. This? That first guy like have parties and didn't invite you. He never invited me to his neighborhood at all. And oh. I think, you know, at that time, he had another girlfriend. Like it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it was oh just, no, I I thought it was yeah. like the same thing happening again. I, I thought I remember hearing that oh, no. he had a party and he yeah. didn't invite you. Yeah. So that was that, that's this guy. This is the university guy. Okay. Yeah. So I called him. I remember they were like I could hear people in the background. I'm like, I I asked you not to do this. You did it again. Like it's done. I'm done. It's over. And like he just you know whatever. So I broke up with him. Fell down on the floor and just started crying. And so I think my the the culmination of that year of like noticing and I didn't notice it at the time, but losing that my first love, breaking up with my second love that I loved, I would say even bigger than the first one. It was like I went through a year of like I didn't speak, I lost weight, I was like very depressed, like in this weird space. Um, but what saved me was literally in university, I was like, all right, like it's time to do, like it's time to change. It's time to figure out like why I was dating these people that I, when I know I deserve better, what's going on. Um, so and the tell choice. Tell us about the low point. Yeah. What was good. it like inside of, yeah. of that? You're not, you're not feeding yourself. You, yeah, you stop was... speaking. Yeah, speaking like meaning happened? like I just didn't share what was going on. I was just quiet like all the time. Like I'd hang out with family or be with friends and I'm like, I'm just quiet. And people would ask me what was wrong. I'm like, I'm fine. I didn't know how to ask for help. Um, I was in that space of I have to figure this all out myself. So it was like this constant internal struggle in my brain of like, maybe we should get back together. And there was a period of time where I was just trying to get him back. Like, so I spent probably six months of my time, like massively depressed, feeling incomplete, feeling like part of me had died, Mm -hmm. like, and just feeling like I actually went back. I went back and he was dating somebody else. And I kept sleeping with him, even though he was dating somebody else. Like I was like in this space of like, okay, like it was just like no, no self worth, you know. It was literally just like I need you to tell me that I'm okay, and really exploring that. And it's it's interesting now as I'm sharing it because it's really hard for me to go back into that emotion. Um, can you feel it? I can feel it a little bit, but I know not to the extent that I felt it then because yeah. it was. How it long was ago like, was that? It was how old am I now? I mean, uh, eight years ago, maybe nine years ago ago. now. And I've done so much work, but at the same time, it was like a visceral feeling of like depression. Like I've never been that depressed before. Um, what do you think it was that had you needing his validation and wanting to go back and even be, you know, being with him, like you mm-hmm. said, even though he's he's with somebody, yeah, because I felt I felt somehow valued. Um, I felt mm. somehow needed because he was with this other girl, but he would still, you know, reach out to me and talk about personal things. That was always my thing. Is like men would always say to me like, wow, I've never told anybody this, you know, I don't usually open up to people in this way. And they so they say that, yeah, maybe not, not so much anymore really, because it's different, but like, yeah, that was, that was like my comfort. I felt, I felt good and valued because somebody else needed me, you know? And I, so it was like this co-creative, mm. like 
you need me. I need you to tell me I'm valuable and you need me at the same kind of for the same reason. Um, Yeah. So that kind of makes sense with the, with the desire to help somebody with their potential, mm -hmm. wanting to rescue them, wanting to support them. Yeah. It was making me being valuable. It's like, Hey, here's my value in the world. This is my value. This is my worth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so when that was taken away, it's like, I have no purpose. Like I have no purpose. Like what am I, instead of now doing what I do and, and, and channeling that through supporting people who are really, who are asking for that support in a different way. It was like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be like, if I'm not helping someone, if someone's not reaching out to me in the middle of the night and like asking for me to come over and help them, like, what do I do? So, like, what is my space? Yeah. I love that you said that. I don't know how to be, um, how were, how were you being during that time? When I was supporting him, like being, well, I mean, during the, I said, I guess during the depression time. When you, were, when you were still, when you were seeking the validation, being valued, and yeah, I was numbing out with, with and by trying to talk to other guys, like mm. I was numbing. So I didn't know how to be alone in my space. If I was like alone and not distracted, I would just cry. So when I was like, okay, I'm tired of crying, I would text somebody or whatever it was like aim AOL instant messenger like what MySpace, yeah. whatever <laughs> back it was, in the day was I that... would yeah I would literally message guys on MySpace like I would pick up uh-huh. guys on MySpace I was a teenager so this was this like self avoidance yeah cuz you said you would cry if you were by yourself and so you would just go and and message some message random guys mm-hmm. on MySpace mm-hmm. so was that is that a way of you like distracting yourself from yourself yeah, absolutely. Distracting myself from my mind and also getting that hit of validation, right? Mm. Like that hit that hit of attention that I was missing. And I didn't feel like I could talk to my parents and tell them what was really going on because of a whole bunch of other reasons. And I just, I didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it was, it was a total numbing out validation that attention felt good. It was at least relieving. It was at mm-hmm. least relieving, relieving the the tears and the you know the the thoughts going on in my head that I was basically worthless. How long would that last? Getting those hits of attention. It would it would last until the other. I mean, it was literally a distraction from person to person. Sometimes it was multiple mm. people at a time. You know how many. You know, I see people do it now with like Tinder, but this was like, this was like, (laughs) this was like pre Tinder. I was like texting, messaging on MySpace. How many people can I message at a time? Um, Which is more admirable because it took a lot more work. (laughs) You had to like seek them out. And and I had to know like basic HTML for my profile. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) But it was, it was temporary, right? Of course, because it was still, I was still not my validation was being in a relationship. That's when it really like felt really good. And so these messages, I I wasn't in a relationship. It was like temporary. Yeah. So what was the deepest, uh, like the deepest part of this bottom? The deepest part of that bottom, I guess if we, if I go there and throw this in, I'll be like the, what the fuck, where did that come from? Was that one of those people where I was just messaging that I met on MySpace mm-hmm. after I had broken up with this person in college, um, I got pregnant, um, from with, with one of these people that uh, I, I knew him for like a week. And so I was giving up, I was giving it up literally. Mm. And I can say that now with, with, not as much pressure because I've worked through it so much, but I, I was like, I was like, okay, they won't leave. If I do this, they won't leave. Right. And so it was the weirdest situation because number one, I made sure we were protected and it, I came out to find out later, he took the condom off. So I had an abortion. Um, and 
that was like, I remember what, what actually hit me. And this is a moment of what, what hit me the most is like, this is fucked up is that I was, I remember sitting in there, like kind of they, you, they give, they, you go in before the procedure and they give you an ultrasound and the, the doctor, um, said to me, do you want to see the baby on the ultrasound? And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, no, like, why would you even ask me that question? But, and you know, I don't know if that was, I just didn't even ask. I was just like, no, thanks. And maybe that was their way of, Oh, maybe if they see it, they will change their mind. Like, I don't know what his intention was. Um, but he asked me that question. And then the nurse during the procedure was like, I've never said to me, she said, I've never seen someone handle themselves so well. You're so mature. And I was just like, I'm a teenager, like, how old? I, sh- I should be feeling, I was 17, um, and so I was like, I don't think it's, a, in that moment, it clicked for me, I was Holy like, smokes. I don't think it's a good thing that I'm so mature, like, that was in the moment that I was just like, you I know, epiphany? Long- yeah, I was like, I no longer find being mature a badge of honor, and I was wearing it as a badge of honor for so long, people would say to me, you're so mature for your age, yeah. like, you're so grown up, and I was just like, I don't, I'm feeling all these things. And I'm, I, that was in that moment as I realized that I was hiding them all. And so, so she's, she looks at you, how you're handling the whole experience, which mm-hmm. is intense, traumatic. Yeah. yeah. And your, what, what, what was your way of being that had her say that? Were you like just calm or numb or just yeah, like was, focused I, or what was, I was it? I was in there chatting them up. You know, I was like, hey, how are you? How are things going? Like it was like a regular day. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing and, you know, like not crying. There were people in there because it was, it was Planned Parenthood. So it was a clinic at a period of time where everybody, you know, that everybody there is going there for the same thing. And they kind of just like, it was like in and out, in and out girls, like one after the other. And so I was just like, oh, like making small talk. And like, they were literally pleasantries, like exchanging. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this weather, eh? Yeah. And genuinely, oh, I was genuinely, I guess at that time I was faking it pretty well yeah. of just like, this is like a regular day. And then afterwards they give you crackers and juice to make sure you don't pass out and then you can go home in 20 minutes, you know? So it was just like, uh, maybe I don't want to be so mature anymore. So were you numb to it? Like, were you like not feeling it during mm-hmm. that time? Yeah. And, yeah then, and then did it hit you after? It hit me probably, I probably didn't, like I avoided it probably for two years after that. Wow. Um, and it hit me, it actually hit me because, and this is, this is sound funny maybe, but my best friend went to a psychic and she basically came back from the psychic and she was like, the psychic told me that your baby, like your baby came to me at the psychics. And she was the only, my best friend, she was the only person who I had told about this outside my mom. And, um, so I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, yeah. And I had a feeling is interesting. Cause when I found mm-hmm. out before I took the test, like I knew about, I knew I felt in my body. I was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, I also had this intuitive thing. I was like, it's a boy, like some weird, like weird. Right. But so she, the psychic said to her, she's like, yeah, it, it was a boy. And he wanted to tell you, he wanted to let you know that it was fine. He he's okay. And he, it wasn't his time to come. Like oh it wasn't God. his time to become. Uh, this is two years later. Yeah. And what did that do to you? And I was just like, it, it was a combination of feeling an immense amount of love because I had felt so guilty. Like I had spent literally two years thinking, oh, if I would have had him, he would be a year and a half years old right now. Or, you know, the, it was like the anniversary. And so in that moment, I was just like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's okay. And I'm okay with this. I wasn't meant to, this wasn't, this wasn't meant to be. And it's, you know, it was a blessing. Like, I can look back and say it was a blessing because it changed the course of how I exist in the world. And it, it helped me cut the cut off from, from not paying attention to what I was feeling. But it took really, it took this 
psychic's baby's energy to come through and say like, "Hey, mom!" Like they literally said, "Hey, mom!" Like I'm cool. The like, psychic it's... baby's <laughs> energy. Yeah, like it sounds so fucking like it sounds so weird. But like <laughs> no, even if no. she even if she made it up, like that helped. It me. It hit you. Yeah. It hit me, and I was just like, okay, you know, there's so many things of like. I, I haven't told my family. There's just all this guilt. Like my family doesn't know. Was there know. grief too? There. Did you experience loss? I don't. A little bit. I think. Well, because you talked bit. about like, oh, well, he'd yeah. be a year and a half. Like that's yeah. loss. Yeah, like, there's a, it is. That potential of a a life with another human being. I don't. I don't think I identified it as that as the time because. Okay. I experienced so much loss in my family and then with my ex-boyfriend within like I lost like I think four people in a period of like five years and so oh. I numbed out I numbed out to that too so I was like it was just a numbing out of all emotions and then this child uh, broke that open so what and, do you think was the um like what was the after effect of that message that your friend passed passed along yeah it was it was just like, I owe it to myself. I owe it to my future children to get my shit together. And, um, basically how can I, how can I be a mother and give advice that I don't take? Wow. And so it there was, was like really, an incongruency. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I want to be, you know, and even just, I want to be a model and I, I, I want to be a mother and I want to be a model for what that looks like. And if I'm out of integrity, like that's not, I don't, I, that's not okay for me, you know? So it was just like, okay, how do I get my shit together to be who I want to be for myself and then for my children? And so, so the it, turning it point was this lack of integrity, process. was noticing that I am just not an in integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it was it like the the pain of it or the cost of it that started to kind of surface or come come into your consciousness? Like, well, like what do you think it was that had you? Because obviously you went a while being out of integrity. Yeah. With yourself, it, so, I had hit a point where what I knew I could be in my heart was so out of alignment with how I was acting that that was painful. Mm. So it was physically uncomfortable when I would make decisions that weren't really what I wanted to do. Or I would, you know, in that point in time, sleep with a guy that I didn't really like care about or didn't care about me. Like mm. I could feel the, 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 my body saying like, like don't make this choice and then still following through on it sometimes or making the choice anyways. And so it was, yeah, it was the pain got too great between who I knew I could be and wanted to be and how I was actually acting. It was just not, it wasn't working. Wow. So it's like now you went from looking outwards to looking at yourself and your potential mm -hmm. as opposed to these guys and what's possible for them in the future if I support them and help rescue them and fix them or whatever. Yeah. You went from outwards to inwards and like, oh shit, I have yeah. potential. And like <laughs> exactly. this, this, like what I'm doing right now doesn't match the potential that I do have. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. So oh, I, I never even put it together like that before, but yeah. It's my <laughs> yes. job. It's perfect. It's that's perfect. what that's what I love doing. That's why I love doing this show is because yeah. we get to connect the dots together. Um, yeah. But um so good. And and then so as you look back now, what else, what other dots can you connect? What uh, what insights can you pull from that experience and, and how do you think some of those seeds turned into where you are now and who you're becoming now? Yeah. The dots are so prevalent to me now just from having the awareness. And also I think it helps to really be around other coaches that help you connect the dots, like mm -hmm. you said. Um, but it was, it was upbringing. It was making a choice at a young age that my, mom wasn't there for me and didn't care about me because she was in her own relationship trying to save her own men. And yeah. so I, I picked up that pattern. It was, um, you know, watching, 
watching basically her play out that pattern and then losing my grandmother, my godmother, who was 33 at the time, my, my grandfather and my, that, then that boyfriend of like, I had left so many things unsaid to all of them. And so there was a pattern for me of not, not expressing myself because I was afraid of how some of them like rejecting me. And so that played out in, you know, in relationships, in friendships, in everything. Um, and I was just, it was just an underlying terror that I would be rejected is a, mm. is a huge pattern. And, you know, to be completely honest, it still plays out to me a bit around when it comes to money, when it comes to relationships, like this is something that I'm ongoingly working on and working towards. But yeah, the, the patterns are, all come back to what, what was I doing and thinking of myself? What was I doing for myself? What was I thinking about myself? And it was all like, you're not worthy unless someone tells someone else tells you, you are. Um, and unless you have their time and attention constantly. And so, yeah. And I think that, that, that whole experience, that breakdown, that time period in the beginning of university, it was just like, okay, now it's time for you to take time for yourself and figure this shit out. And thank you to that ex who got me into the secret because I actually started implementing some of the things that we watched, but I also, um, what really shifted things for me actually is I, I joined a business fraternity. And so I, yeah, so I made this choice as like, all right, like they, they would, they kind of sold you on stepping into like being able to network and being confident and being able to do public speaking yeah. and do all this things. And I was like, all right, like I'm in. And I remember the person who became my mentor in the fraternity walking up to him at like the meet and greet thing. And I was like, fuck, your energy is so solid. I was like, I mm. want that. Like, I want to, I want that. I want to be a part of that. And it, that was not knowing that then, but knowing now I was like, I was seeing my own potential. And was it that. because you were looking for it now? That, that these people started showing up like, oh, this is another way to live. Like, this yeah. is another way to be. Absolutely. I was like, okay, wh- how can I learn? How can I learn to be a better person? What can I do? And it was like rush season. So there was a flyer in class, right? And it was like, <laughs> it was like leadership, confidence, whatever the, whatever the hell else. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, let me, let me go check this out. And then they talked about, here's the shocker, brotherhood which is what we call now in coaching terms like your tribe or your yeah. community. And that was like a foreign concept to me because I to have like, having, the, like the family you choose. Yeah. Choosing your family and having people who hold you accountable to who you want to be. I was like, that was like a totally new experience for me. And so, yeah, that, that catapulted like each decision led to that decision of joining that group, which led me to like, I actually have a lot of value. I'm worth a lot. Mm. And I ended up um, senior year, graduating year, I gave the the speech at graduation. So wow. it's just like going from that experience. Within to a like, couple of years, like you like, went from. Yeah. Stepping into like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I'm, who I'm meant to be. And all of that was worth it. Right. Like everything Huge. that I went through was worth it. And yeah. so, breakdowns usually happen right before breakthroughs yes and breakdowns are like hey something needs to go like something needs to die you got to let go of something and if you don't you're just going to repeat again and then you're going to be faced with the same breakdown yeah and people always wonder there's like oh i feel like i've tried climbing this mountain before Mm -hmm. like like, it's the same one (laughs) because it is it's the same breakdown and you got to let go and then when you let go you actually can break through and make, yeah. w- make way for something new. Yeah. So, so that said, how would, you, how would you describe your breakdown and your breakthrough? What was it that you let go of, that you made room for? Like what was the reinvention? What was the transformation yeah. there for you? Yeah, I, made, I let go of self-doubt, not completely because we all have that yeah. constantly, but I let go of of doubting my worth that I could approach people with who I am and, and say whatever I wanted to say and they Mm. could still, they could still love me. So I let go of, of the 
the doubt that I have nothing of value. Like at least I found yeah. something. I found, you know, pieces and each breadcrumb led to another one. Um, and I really opened myself up to true support. So I had, you know, was someone who prided myself on, I don't need anybody's help. I'm independent. I haven't cried in, you know, years because crying is weak. Like I had all these yeah. thoughts to going and opening up in front of like, when you pledge a fraternity, you cry. Like I, really? I cried, <laughs> I cried the very last day, like just bawling <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, this is so, but it was like relief. It was like release. Yeah. Right. So, and not because they were like abusive or anything, but because they were really, it was like, it was like kind of like I would it describe important. it as like army training of like they're, they're being stern and yeah. like calling you out on your shit basically. Right. So like they're holding you up to a standard. Yeah, exactly. And so I opened myself up to being held to that standard, to asking for help, because as a team, as my pledge class, we had to ask each other for help. Otherwise, you wouldn't get anywhere. Like, these were all the things that they were teaching us. And so I opened myself up to that. And I was like, if I don't ask for help, I'm going to, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fail. They're not going to accept me. And that wasn't an mm. option at that point. So I had to wow. I had to get help. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... You, you let go of doubting your own worth and needing other people to validate your worth. And you made room for you, your your reinvention and your breakthrough came from legitimately asking for support, like putting yeah. down whatever it is. You know, some people, it's pride, mm -hmm. putting that aside and just saying, you know that. what, I need some help. I need someone's support, someone else's advice. I can't do this on my own anymore. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, so, and thank whoa. you. Thank you. I was just going to say thank you for like helping me reflect back on all that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's that's yeah. um takes a lot to to open up about um your experiences and yeah, there's a lot of trauma there. There's a lot of intense um yeah, like loss and then oh my god. I can't I can't even imagine what it's like to go through that. What would you yeah. say to people who've experienced those types of things? And, and like, you could, whatever you want to speak to, it could be, um, you know, wanting to be the fix, like find fixer upper men or, or women mm -hmm. or, you know, having to make the decision of, okay, like I need to, like, I can't, I can't raise this baby. Like, this is not, just, it wouldn't be right. Yeah. Or, you know, like just pe people going through those types of challenges or even like loss. Yeah, the, the, the resounding thing that was just coming up for me is to allow yourself to feel things that that would be the biggest suggestion that I think I would make for anybody because when you allow yourself to feel that is such a form of caring for yourself. Yeah. And so I think that's really a first step in allowing anybody else to care, care for you. Right. And it doesn't matter what your decisions are, but you can make the decisions more clearly and more solidly mm -hmm. in who you want to be if you allow yourself to feel. Otherwise, you're reacting by logically what you think you should do or what you think other people want you to do. And how, um, do, you, um, how do you put that into practice? Allowing yourself to feel things like how would yeah. you? Recommend. My practice, my practice, this is for me personally, is um, writing through writing out, writing out everything. And I know you're familiar with like, you know, morning pages. That's how I practice this yeah. now. That's what I did before, <laughs> before yeah. this. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be in the morning. What I would say is anytime you're feeling an intense emotion, there's two things that I do. I either write all it out, like just write out everything I'm feeling, or I will literally um, turn on my computer, turn on QuickTime and, and talk to myself and, and say like, okay, this is everything that's going on right now. This is what's happening. And like any time video log. Yeah. I sometimes delete them after because I'm like, okay, this oh is energy, gosh. energy that I've shed and I don't need to bring that into the future, but Whoa. it's helpful. And the key is that when you feel that knot in your chest or you feel your eyes start to water, fucking go there further. Like, <laughs> don't just be like, okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm about to cry. Mm. Like, when the emotion starts to kind of bubble up, like, 
ask yourself a question, okay, what is that? What am I feeling? Or just let yourself cry. Um, but it's helpful to say, okay, what is, what am I feeling? I feel it in my chest. What is my chest feeling? It's feeling scared. Okay. Why am I scared? And just constantly kind of asking yourself those yeah. questions to let so it there's out. A curiosity there. There's a curiosity, yeah. there's a compassion. And like you said, when you do that, it's actually, it's a, it's a practice of self-worth. Yeah. Like I value myself. I love myself enough to, um, connect with my genuine emotional experience. Right absolutely cool. absolutely because everybody else wants that connection or yeah. they want to be seen in that way so yeah it's an age of saying like see yourself that way give yourself that love so that you, other people can do it for you and you can do it for them yeah beautiful that's so yeah. awesome wow yeah. i'm like blown away <laughs> and you're and i i can sense your clarity about so much of it Mm-hmm. And I can sense that that you have reflected, you have worked through, and not that it's done because you you'll no. probably yeah. revisit some of the stuff where it'll show up again in, in one way or another. But I mean, just the level of awareness that you have, it's really inspiring. And I think it's, I think your story, even though it's unique to you, there's going to be a lot of people who can relate to this. Thank you. Yeah, that's really my intention around sharing. Is yeah, I've done a lot of work and so that's what I want to say if anybody relates is that one you're not alone two you're not alone and <laughs> there 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 are people that understand and you know nobody can help you unless you tell them what's what's going on and so I hope that you this just helps even just one person be like okay yeah. there's there's something I need to ask for help around because it's so important yeah Awesome. Thank you for that space. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I ask you some like rapid fire questions? Go for it. Go for it. What's your favorite book that you've gifted? That I've gifted? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alchemist. The Alchemist. I love that. Yeah. So What's good. your favorite yoga pose? Child's I don't even know if you pose. do yoga. Child's, Child's pose. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. Uh, when right. you, what's your definition of success? My definition of success is free time. Right now, is free time and um, joy. So mm. just finding joy and free time. Yeah. Awesome. If if everything was taken away and you had to share your three pieces of insight, three truths with the world, like like your writing, whatever you mm-hmm. created, like that, that's all gone. And you only had like, you could only say three things. And that would be that, that would be like the last message that you leave with the world. Oh, geez. Would be? Well, the the one thing um, is that anytime you feel afraid or unsure about another person, it's purely because of something you don't understand. Mm-hmm. So to be curious and ask the other person questions or ask what you might not know about another person, I think is really important. Um, and I, that for me comes from a cultural and racial perspective. Um, so I think, you know, when we have judgments, just stay curious. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then I would say, shit, it's like, just like, I know that self love is so cliche, but it's just, ask for help because it's true yeah ask for help um because what you want to do is is possible and Mm. then the third the third thing that i would say is um if it's not fun it's not worth it yeah i like that one yeah if you had one request of people who are listening what would it be It would be to tell someone that you care about why you care about them now Mm. and not, and not put it, not put it off because it feels good for you too. And that's, that, that also ties into, um, just being able to express yourself and connect with your genuine emotional experience. If you're feeling grateful for somebody and share, share right now. Exactly. How cool. often do we think it and just hold it in? So, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And t- tell us what your projects are right now again and how we can 
contribute or support how you, you how you follow you <laughs> yeah how can, how can we stalk you yeah well um so most of my personal writing is just on livingambitiously.com and so that's all just personal kind of story reflection of like hey i just went through this this is the learning that i've created or you know some kind of reflection um and then the biggest project really i would say if people are local to toronto is possibility camp like this is the project that i'm so excited about if you have is it for for young yeah uh, young women eight to thirteen um and so if they're if they're older than 13 um we can we're gonna have girls become kind of mentors to the younger girls in the camp um but the website is not actually it's not actually up at the time of when we're recording this but it's herpossibility.com herpossibility.com yep and the the first camp will be uh march break camp and then we'll do summer camp every year so that is so fun yeah amazing so livingambitiously.com, herpossibility.com, and social media? Social media is, um, my Instagram is the only place I'm really active, is just Rachel Lowe underscore is my handle. So Rachel yeah. Lowe. And spell, spell that out. R-A-C-H-A-E-L. There you go. L-O-W-E underscore. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you yeah. so much. I want to I wanna acknowledge you because you just have such a presence about you. You seem really calm and secure in yourself, at least from what I know about you since we've met. Mm-hmm. And it, does, it doesn't sound that that was hard one. I can totally get that now, that that was hard one for you to feel secure and centered in yourself right now to be at home in your own shoes. And I just think your your openness and your vulnerability and your willingness to share so many deep, dark uncomfortable aspects of of your story like that's really admirable and i know that like i got a lot of value from it i have a whole page of notes and i know a (laughs) lot of people who are listening to this can even though they might not have been in the same exact experience i know that they can relate with it and get something out of it so thank you so much for being a part of this yeah thank you i'm honored and thanks for again being the catalyst you know for the conversation and for bringing people these stories because it's so important to know that like nobody has their shit together. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a, that's another topic for us to have a conversation. Yes, about. it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Hey everybody. It's Oliver. Before you take off, just wanted to invite you to my weekly newsletter called Oliver's picks. This is my weekly recommendations for what I find educational, empowering, entertaining, and engaging. So if you're interested in a dose of goodness, inspiration, tools for growth, uh, different things like that, head on over to olivermanalise.com slash picks. As well, if you haven't already, I would really appreciate you heading on over to iTunes, giving us a five-star rating and writing a review for us. That would mean the world to me. That would support the show in helping us grow and getting the conversation out there. As well, if you're looking for the show notes for each episode and all episodes, you can find them at olivermanalise.com slash show. If there's any feedback or comments or questions that you have for me, I would love to hear from you at podcast at olivermanalise.com. And that is all. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk again soon.